Hi and welcome to another episode of Dr. Dark After Dark. I am out on the trails again, so if there's any noise, it's other people, or as I said last time, wild hogs, and I've already seen one, didn't make any noise though. And what I want to talk about today is, I, I, I want to have a kind of a three, free thinking discussion with myself, uh, but based upon discussions I've had with other people that I that I uh, have a lot of respect for on um, basically gold. Um, we may jump into a bit of the oil stuff that's been going on, but I, you know, I, oil is something I've traded a little bit, but very little uh, compared to uh, things like um, uh, gold, um, well, precious metals, uh, stocks, bonds, and rates and stuff. And so right now I'm in this, I feel that I'm in this kind of a very difficult situation when it comes to gold. So for full disclosure, I am long gold, period. Um, roughly 15% of portfolio, which is mainly um, spot. So IE, GLD and IAU. And just for the record, I fully agree with Eric Townsend's rant on, you know, why the hell people like to they just say this is paper gold. It's not. It's backed by gold in vaults that is audited every month. If you own physical gold in a vault, you yourself, do you get an order every month? Do you know it's allocated to you? Most people own unallocated gold when they buy it via a bullion bank, for example. And the gold's there. I mean, it's either there or it's not there, right? It's binary. It doesn't need conspiracy theories. Um, if it wasn't there, that means the auditors are totally corrupt. And again, you just you know, just use um, uh, simple principles. Um, you don't need to get too, you know, if, if you need several conspiracy theories, it tends to not be the uh, correct answer. Anyways, so I believe the gold is there. Um, and so therefore it is in effect the same as owning physical gold. Now, if we really ended up into a place where um, where you were really transacting with physical gold, and let's just say physical silver coins. Um, as Julian Bridgen has said several times, you probably just want lead and brass. Uh, you need bullets. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, lead bullets, not so much these days, but um, yeah, you know, and you want guns because that world would not work with today's society. Um, and someone's gonna come and shoot you. So I, anyone wishing for that world, I think is insane. I don't believe people that are long things like Bitcoin wish for that world at all. I think most people are adult enough to understand that, you know, like gold, right, Bitcoin is in having scarcity and that's fine. It doesn't need the world to, you know, we don't need to go back to the dark ages. So the dichotomy I have with gold at the moment is that, okay, so it was, it's been in a, you know, a nice bull market for the last two, three years. You know, it, it, it kind of, ripped up to kind of 1450 a year or so ago and then it kind of ripped up again to about 1600 um, very quickly both times then it you know, then it uh, retraced back pretty much all the way back to 1450 that's fine that's very natural um, the retracement was technically perfect in fact in fact the gold charts the, again people have different views on technical analysis but the chartists on gold love the gold charts um, and, but the problem I have with it right now is um, simply that 
I, you, whilst you'd love it to be a clear store of value, we obviously all saw when it, well, it went up to basically 1700 and then it crashed down to whatever it was, 1450, whatever it was again, when the stock markets were crashing in um, basically late Feb, early March. And, and that's when correlations of everything went to one. And so we talked about this before. And now we've had this basically retrace in stocks pretty much exactly to the 50% level from the all-time high of three, 4,000. I mean, it went slightly above, but the all-time high was 3,400. It went down to 2,200. So the midpoint is 2008, plus minus. Um, and well, I get very different views on gold from people. So I wanted just to go through a few of them because I think they're all valuable and they all have merit and they would literally get you wanting to own everything you could in it now, <clears throat> which is probably the kind of Peter Schiff view. Uh, although I suspect he does not own all of his assets in denominated in gold related things and precious metal things. Of course not. Um, you know, right way through to, well, I'm not going to go to the conspiracy theorists on Twitter, but you know, people who have, really own none at the moment because they're really worried it's going to crash a lot with more liquidations. So, and I want to try and use data where possible. So I think, so it was uh, Steve Amida did a decent section on gold the other day in one of his videos last week. So you should check them out on YouTube, this podcast too. And his point is he analyzes it from the perspective of real yields. And so Real yields are just, it's just basically bond yields, but then you strip out inflation, right? So if inflation is positive, like it is now, and, and I'm very aware there's 8 million ways <laughs> every country measures inflation, it's incredibly confusing. Let's just say it's CPI for the sake of argument. Um, and um, so, and let's just say that's 2% at the moment for the sake of argument in the US. So yeah, so if bond yields are, um, as they, the 10-year yield now is at, make the maths easy, half a percent minus 2% is negative one and a half. So you have negative real yields. Now that tends to correlate with gold doing well. Um, and um, because you have, um, you have a low actual nominal yield from the bond, only half a percent, and gold gives you no yield. So it's kind of comparable. Um, you can argue gold has a slight anti-yield, negative yield, because... It has very small storage costs, but that is very small. Let's ignore that for now. Um, and then the inflation gets you to negative real rates. And that traditionally has been an environment where gold's done well. Now, what's going to happen in the next, let's say, 12, 18 months? Well, again, this is where people have very diverging views on inflation. I think if we bring your oil market into it, well, it's fairly clear that when... Well, the oil going negative was a, you know, contract roll, technical, um, storage slash all sorts of stuff happening. But it, yeah, it, it, but if you looked at you know the contracts, say three months out, you know they have been going down absolutely, yeah. But they're nowhere near negative. But they're around twenty bucks, so twenty twenty five bucks. So it's still very low, and they've been trending downwards clearly. So that does suggest, and if you look at PPI, <clears throat> which is the producer price index which doesn't get talked about that much, but that's a really good indication, of, like a leading indicator of CPI. Why? Because this is the prices that producers are paying, or you're paying producers for things. 
So if oil goes down, then you're in general going to be able to produce things more cheaply. Hey, gold is one of them. Uh, energy is a one of the major costs of you know, producing gold. Again, the estimates of how much on that actually vary quite wildly, so I'm not going to go into that because I know people get very irate about it. Everyone has their kind of pet view on it. So, um, yeah, so PPI has been, is, is pretty much negative, well, it is negative year on year, I think pretty much every major country I look at, the countries that matter. And the countries that matter most, of course, for PPI are the countries that produce the most. So it's the Chinas, the Japans, the Koreas, the Germanys, and the US, you know, US still produces a lot. Yeah, it's, it's less the, uh, the you know, the, the, the Spains, you know, and the Italy's of the world, um, or, or even the UK. And so, UK is sort of in the middle. So from a PPI perspective, you would expect consumer prices to be going down. And again, there's a lag, because it takes time for products to go through the system. And of course, right now, there's a huge demand. On average, there's a demand shock downwards. Now, as Peter Schiff rightly said in his podcast the other day, and you know with Peter, like you've always got a, Peter's a very smart guy, but he also has an agenda. So yeah, he is, he's pretty much never, I mean, I remember when gold was absolutely spiking and you know, it was clearly a blow off top in the short term. And you know, whilst he wasn't telling people go and buy it, he, you know, he certainly wasn't saying, hey, maybe you just want to wait a few weeks. Um, now, a few weeks later when it had re retraced, he was like, oh yeah, you know, it's better time to buy now. But you know, he's, he's got an agenda, but he's a very smart guy. And I agree with most of what he says fundamentally disagree with him on Bitcoin, but let's ignore that for now. Um, and his point is like, well, there's many different types of inflation. Completely true. So, you know, the CPI tries to put it into one number. But, you know, we all know, we all have different inflation rates. For example, one of us might live in a, uh, two people with the same net worth. One might live in a much larger house with triple the rent than the other person because one person's decided to spend more of their income or net worth on rent. And so if you get either an increase or decrease in housing costs, they might get proportionately more impacted in either direction. Same with food. Some people spend very little on food. They don't eat out much. Okay, right now no one's eating out, <laughs> um, but people are doing takeaways. So I cook every night. My wife even asked me, she said, oh, how much do you save when you're cooking? I'm like, huge amount. Like, you know, even in Hong Kong, where food is expensive, um, well, if you buy food that is from kind of trusted known sources, yeah, you're, you're going to be saving probably, let's say, 4x versus eating out. Um, so everyone has different inflation rates. Some people might need, need to buy a car at the moment, and they might get a great deal, and it could be vastly cheaper than last year. Um, people use different amounts of energy yeah and schooling is a massive thing too as is health especially in america so yeah i think people are slightly deluded if they think health premiums aren't going to absolutely spike next year due to covid i mean they will and the health companies have already been saying this on and ceos and cfos on um earnings calls they don't talk about hiking prices they talk about premiums having a strong premium environment this type of stuff so so the point is, is inflation, whilst if you go to Fred and boil it down to a number, um, 
and Fred is Federal Reserve Economic Database, which the St. Louis Fred, um, Fred sorry, <laughs> manages. Free data for everyone. It's a fantastic resource. Um, you know, but it's, you know, for each individual family, it's the underlying data that, that actually matters and all the different um, inflation rates. So what I'm trying to say is it's not as simple as here's just one number. Now, it is simple if everything's getting cheaper <laughs> or everything's getting more expensive. So in the you know, Weimar Republic or Venezuela or whatever, you know, um, in local currency, you know, everything, you know, there was huge inflation. Nothing, I don't think anything would have been getting cheaper. Maybe one thing was. And um, yeah, likewise, if the opposite happens. But, you know, right now it's quite likely food's going to get more expensive as there's less produced and people need it. Um, it's one thing, you know, we, we, we eat a constant amount of food, by and large, in the West. Um, well, Western Asia. West and Asia. And so, what does this mean for gold? Well, you know, I could argue, I could argue it both ways. Like, well, I do believe that nominal treasury yields will continue to go down. Why? Because the broken world dollar liquidity cycle has already happened in other, you know, US is kind of much higher rates than countries like Germany, Japan, who are kind of, well, Japan is the furthest down the road. Um, and people want dollars. And yeah, there are lots of other reasons. And so, therefore, you'd think that's good for gold. But it's not good if there's a whole bunch of deflation, potentially. So the point is, is like, I'm trying to work out how to size a gold position. And, and gold's complex, right? Because, yes, there's spot gold. But unless something happens to gold, which Peter Schiff talked about in his podcast the other day, and I noticed some people on the Twitter were talking about it. Some, obviously, it was independent to Peter because people were talking about it both ways. <laughs> there were different points of view. Um, but what just happened with oil, you could, I think what you'd have is the opposite would happen with gold. So with oil, no one wanted the oil in the May contracts because they couldn't store it. Well, gold's vastly simpler to store and it could just be that people could be going long futures. And we saw this recently, right? There was a huge spike in, uh, gold futures versus spot. And if only a relatively small number of those people who are long futures demand the delivery, people are going to have to deliver it, whoever's left with the uh, the, the, the shorts uh, when the futures expire. And you could easily have a ramp up of both the futures price and of spot prices. People have to get hold of gold. Remember, there is a contract there. So it happened before because bars couldn't be moved between London and New York. And we talked about the whole 400 ounce versus 100 ounce stupidity and stuff like that. Gold is gold, right? So that really shouldn't be a problem. Um, So, yeah, so in, what, what Peter said, and I agree, agree, is a possibility is that, well, if, if it just doesn't need to be that many people suddenly really need the physical delivery and demand it. This may well have to be institutions, it would have to be institutions who have size, and also most retail platforms are going to force you to close your position before expiry, definitely for things like oil. Um, depends more with things like gold which are in effect simpler it's very hard to store oil but a gold bar is actually you know, vastly simpler um, but still not something you can just magically do instantly um, you need some infrastructure so 
the point then is if you you, know, you could see a huge spike in spot gold and Peter was saying well maybe you're going to $5,000 in one day I mean yes this is possible but people probably would have said it was impossible before what just happened with oil but I don't see how it would go the other way and go down it's a kind of different dynamic um, so that's one thing in my mind which is that could happen and there's it's very, very hard to assess the probability. And then you can get into conspiracy theories of, well, China and Russia, and they're gonna buy all the gold futures and demand, you know, they can obviously buy in huge volume. Um, and then demand delivery. It's a very cheap way to get physical gold because the bullion dealers at the moment are putting a very high premium, premium on physical gold, which is total bullshit. Like, they're doing that. I actually quite like the theory that a lot of them, not all of them, are um, basically if you've lost your license in the US and you're not allowed to trade securities, you can always trade precious metals and sell it to people. A lot of people in the business are pretty shifty. People that have fundamentally uh, screwed people before. So they put out this kind of bullshit narrative that there's not enough gold and all this stuff. Like, and, and I get quite annoyed when they start taking on things like GLD. It's always GLD. I don't know why it's never IAU, but... Um, and they're both very large, so I think Georgia is a bit bigger. IAU has lower fees though. Um, and um, yeah, you've got to be aware it's all very self-serving. Um, actually, to Peter Schiff's credit, he, he doesn't... He did mention that a little bit the other day, but he's not in that bucket of conspiracy theorists. Um, so... Yeah, so... It seems to me the arguments right now um, for owning... Okay, let's get to what some other people think. So if we take someone like Raul Powell, has been very vocal on Twitter for a long time. Um, for, let's see, over a year, way over a year, saying basically be long bonds, gold, Bitcoin, US dollars. And his own... Well, according to what he says, his own personal position is in that. Um, now, he has has reduced exposure to gold. I don't know if it's to zero, but uh, I know he's reduced it um, and increased exposure to bonds. And has been, he said he's been buying Bitcoin. And he always, has always held a large amount of percentage wise in cash, which is an interesting thing. A lot of people do that. Uh, a lot of... It's a pretty smart thing to do to have a, to be agile. Um, now, if you're just a buy and hold, no. But if you're actually wanting to trade that, look for opportunities. It can be a smart idea. And but his point is more. It's not about the real rates. It, it's about. Um, he's also thinking long term. So the point is, is that we have a deflation, deflationary environment with all the central bank printing. We all know the argument that. This could become inflationary at some point. Now, it's also be very clear that the way the Fed prints money right now is not inflationary. It is going into the reserves of banks. It's only inflationary if the banks are then lending more. And apart from a big spike in consumer industrial loans that we saw when people were basically in, well, Ill going insolvent um, due to just no cash flow, so people had to be, basically companies that had access to credit were pulling the credit lines, which totally makes sense. But you know, you're not seeing it in consumer credit cards and other areas. Again, that's all in the, I think it's called the H8 form 
comes out every week from the Fed on a Friday. Uh, uh, and, and the data is very new. It's, um, it's only about just over a week of lag, week and a half maybe of lag. So it's pretty amazing up-to-date data. Um, so again, it's not just roll this view. There are other people um, who are saying, well, yeah, there could be deflation, but then if you're just holding spot long-term, again, this is just spot. Um, so not trading futures, just actual physical gold. And I'm using GLD as a proxy or IAU, whichever you want. <clears throat> then in a two, three year time frame, should be a good investment. Now, if there's another liquidation event, so we've had in effect two main liquidation events for, for well, well, everything crashed, <laughs> um, everything apart from the US dollar. Um, we could easily have another one. Why? Well, we've had this 50% retracement. That's exactly what you saw in 1928. Um, then it, it took six months then. Everyone there, eh, everything's fine. And we, we weren't alive then, right? But no one trading now was trading this then. Literally no one. But I think it's fairly safe to assume, and this is an assumption, how people thought. And this has been written about. People think, oh, everything's fine now. They start piling back in. Um, but then actually a bunch of people that missed the initial move down, the market's come up, they've got another chance to sell. And then you tend to go to lower lows. So I still do believe we're going to see lower lows, i.e. sub 2200 in the S&P, uh, in the next year or so. Could be right, could be wrong. But I don't really want to trade that because it's so, I find the stock market very hard to trade. Um, I didn't find it that hard when it was completely underestimating COVID. And, and anyone that had spent the time to learn about that had an edge, but now that edge is gone. Maybe the edge now is that people are overestimating how fast recovery will be. But I think there might be better ways to play that than stocks. Um, you know, especially in a world where volatility is still very high, making all forms of options expensive. Well, unless you're selling them, <laughs> obviously. But again, then you need to know what you're doing. Um, you can get your face ripped off very quickly. So, you know, someone like Dan Tapiero, who, again, super smart guy, absolutely is always going to have some bias because he's part of uh, GBI Gold Bullion International, one of the co-founders. I mean, he's a very, very balanced guy. I don't think he oozes. He's not anywhere near like a Peter Schiff when it comes to bias. There's a little bit. Yeah, he would just say, look, just you should just own some. I completely agree with him. Um, you know, again, whether it's 5%, and he means just spot, like 5%, 10%, 15 20 whatever you want, whatever you're comfortable with, just buy it and forget about it, because it's an insurance policy. And there's good value in that. And I, the reason I have, about, let's say, 15% allocation, the primary reason is actually that. And in the long run, I still, I generally like long run thinking. Not like 10 years, but like, you know, 18 months, two, three years. You can see where this is going. But then if you're going to trade something, you obviously have to get good entries. Um, you know, if you buy spot now, whatever it is, 1700, it goes down to 1500. And in three years, it's at 3000 and you just held it. Well, fine. I mean, yeah, it would have been better to buy it at 1500, but 
have done very well either way. Um, I'm on a very slippy bit of the past. So. Now, someone like Keith at Hedgeye is just very much followed a process. So in quad four, um, again, they've written a lot about this in public. I would thoroughly recommend checking out their offerings. I think there's a lot of good offers at the moment uh, in terms of subscription, but at the end of the day, you've got to pay for stuff to get up-to-date data and they're giving data every day. It's fantastic. Um, and I would, yeah, encourage anyone managing a decent amount, um, I think should be paying for some of this, you know, data that you, you, you can't get um, yourself. Because unless you're managing, well, I don't know anyone that's managing low millions that is gonna pay for Bloomberg. Maybe some do. Double figure millions, sure. It's 20K a year. Um, but also it takes time to get all the data out and they're doing it for you. If you would just be like, sure, just trade it within the risk range. So yeah, when it's um, uh, a couple of days ago, it was towards the bottom of the risk range, good buying opportunity. Um, with a view to it overall being a long in quad four, it being trend upwards and the volatility has been coming down because it had gone really high. So it was kind of in the uninvestable stage as he calls the fuck bucket <laughs> of volatility. So now he's thinking more, yes, it is a core holding. And I think he said several times publicly, he's about seven or 8% at the moment, but he's someone who would, he would short it tomorrow if the data said, and a lot of people like cry about that. But he's, you know, he, he, the, the way he's constructing a portfolio is to make consistent gains, whatever happens. It's, it's not to chase the tops. If you make consistent gains every year of 10%, just every year, put it in Excel, you know, and then, but every year, and you never have any deviation from that, you're going to crush basically everyone. Um, not aim for higher than that, but. So looking at all these different points of view, it's like, oh, and actually let's add Eric Townsend into this from Macro Voices. So there you've got someone who's, again, very long gold in the long run, medium long. This is in many of his podcasts. And again, he's a fantastic podcast. Um, and, you know, but he's always, he's a trader at heart, right? But he generally trades the um, um, oil market, energy markets. So he wants good entry. So I know technically he would love it to go back, to, I think to about 1420. Um, no idea if it will. But again, but just kind of long-term bull. I don't know anyone that's not long-term bullish on it. Um, you've got people like uh, Luke Groman who would definitely bullish on it, sort of short and long. And he has kind of differing views on US dollar to Brent Johnson. Um, it's always fun watching them argue on Twitter. Uh, but although Brent's long dollar too, uh, sorry, obviously long dollar, but um, with dollar milkshake theory, but I'm also you know, very bullish on gold. So, <laughs> And then of course this is the problem, which I think everyone I've mentioned is bullish on gold in the well let's say medium term I think with someone like Hedgeye they're not making calls for that amount of time it's not their style but yeah so for them it's certainly if we're in quad four i.e reducing inflation expectations and um, um, reducing growth on a rate of change basis and so and then you look at the open interest on you know and gold and, and the futures and it's massively long 
which of course gives people well room to pause and say but wait a minute if that many people are long are they really all going to be right when are they going to get squeezed <laughs> um so that's why i think it's a really fascinating one right now um and i've spoken with apollo trading on twitter who is his own raa and um he sort of Bridgewater. Um, again, it's like long gold. For him, I think it's, it's more trading, so it's like a GC futures. Um, but he's always, he's, 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 yeah, not necessarily worried, but just like, you know, always trying to think through his positions and play devil's advocate of himself. Is this the right thing to be in? But he is long it. Um, again, he said that many times on Twitter publicly. So, I guess where I came out after thinking through all of this was to have a core long position, which is spot. Now, then if we get a correction, then let's just say for the sake of argument, make numbers easy, 1500 from 1700 today. Okay, let's just assume it's a quick correction well yeah that's probably a, yeah a, a, anything down there is probably in the long term a good place to to accrue some more but then you've got other assets right you've got gold miners let's just simplify that to gdx just for the sake of argument gdxj is way more volatile um which is the gold mining stocks so let's just be very clear that is an equity i think too many people forget it's an equity <laughs> Yes, it is actually now at all-time highs, but um, not all-time, well, sorry, 11-year highs. Um, but not many equities are, but it is an equity. And with oil low, gold high should be possibly a lot higher. Um, and you've also got cool options on both gold and on something like GDX. It actually has a very liquid options market. Now that's getting kind of do have some options on GDX that I've had for a while um, and wow they've been a wild ride I mean recently they've gone from I think I went down 10x and then went up 12x so um, fractionally above where I started <laughs> but it's kind of crazy wild ride um, but if you had a quick move down or even a slow move down to 1500. Yeah, buying spot is kind of easy. Buying cool options on gold. If you had a quick move down and volatility was high, might not be a good idea. Um, IV, you're going to be paying for that volatility and it's going to fight you for. I'm a fan of long term gold options um, where you obviously get lower IV buying and you can buy god gold options for up to a couple of years out they're actually pretty liquid um you can't do that on gc with any liquidity in the future sorry futures option so <laughs> but then if you want some leverage in the space in effect you use gold miners so you can just buy spot gold miners if it goes down now the miners may not who knows how they're going to react 
gold went down 200 bucks, they would probably go down. And if it was violent, that's probably because equities have gone down. So you see a violent go down. Why did they have that violent go down recently, GDX to 17 or 16? Well, <laughs> it was actually a massive, um, well, it's one of the issues of um, ETFs. And you had um, the underlying securities not being um, very liquid. And um, there was a, it was just a massive discount to NAV. Like had a 20% discount, which I didn't notice at the time. So I didn't have the real-time data on that. Um, if some people did and they noticed and they bought it, fantastic, well done to them. Um, so if you're in a high volatility regime, options are going to cost you more. So maybe a play on gold miners makes sense. Now, <laughs> what's the perfect dream scenario would be a, a, a really robust kind of bottoming process over several months where you get a lovely kind of U-shaped bottom, you know, where you can wait until it bottoms, um, volatility comes way down, um, and you can wait for that. You, know, you don't have to hit the bottom, it's irrelevant. Wait for it to be trending up. You could buy long-term call options in Golden GDX at a big, uh, with a low IV, low implied volatility. We, yeah, <laughs> may or may not have that opportunity. We did not have that opportunity a month ago. Implied volatility was through the roof. Even if you bought, yeah, your options could be in the money, fine. So you won't lose money on them, but basically your, um, <coughs> Well, insert random Greek letter, but it's all going to work against you if IV's coming down. Um, and if you look at gold vol, it's still hovering at around 30. So it's GVX is the ticker. It's high. I mean, it's um, traditionally been down at, um, traditionally in the past, when there was no vol. Kind of 10 to 12. I mean, bonds are even lower, right? Kind of 4 to 5. Equities, yes, they did go down to 10, but normally more 15 or so. Um, GDX volatility is at 60. So it's an equity. <laughs> now, of course, ultimately that could just because it's flying up. Remember volatility. <laughs> yes, if you've been in a bull market for 10 years and it crashes, you get lots of volatility. And if it um, recovers like it has to some degree, volatility goes down. So it's volatility with the trend is gonna have less effect, ultimately, than counter trend. It's just the math, right? Um, So it kind of leads me to think, have a position. If you want to have a position in gold mining stocks, I don't see any problem with that. Um, they can do really well. They can also do really badly. Be prepared, size it, like small, <laughs> small percentage, if you're putting 20% of capital in gold miners, then you're, I think you're crazy. Um, 
because this market is going to have its twists and turns. It's going to whip people around. And the rule number one in the bear market is don't lose money. It's rule number one, two, three, four, five. Yes, then you can do cool stuff after. You can make some clever trades. You can short stocks. You can do whatever. But rule number one is don't lose money. Um, I think if volatility really does come down a lot, which I'd love to see across the board, because I don't want stocks to be low. I mean... Yeah, you could argue that they sh all I want is them to re reflect economic fundamentals. Which means they would be lower than what they are. But with what's going on with the Fed and other central banks, the reality is that's not going to happen. It doesn't matter what you want. What matters is what the market's doing. So, but I really genuinely have no position equity, so I just don't, I don't really care. I'm thinking of what are the other ways to play this? With markets that are more rational, like the oil market has been. I mean, it's trend downwards. I'm not saying negative was rational, but it's trend downwards has been rational due to lack of demand. Just some music. I'll pause for a sec. Yeah, and <laughs> Hong Kong, you always get people playing their radios on them when you're walking. You don't see that so much inside the UK. <laughs> Be considered rude. It's fine. Music always bad, but. Um, yeah, so really number one thing to watch out for is volatility. So, and remember it's different. So, um, you could look at the volatility of GLD and it'd be just different to the volatility of, um, GC, because GC trades all the time. GLD doesn't. So be aware there are differences, but ultimately I think, you know, if you're looking at spot price, uh, order futures, doesn't matter, just be consistent. At the end of the day, be consistent with which volatility you use. Um, haven't talked about silver at all. Um, I have a very small allocation to it, a couple of percent. Um, silver's way more complex. <laughs> it's an industrial metal. You think there's going to be a bunch of use of that in the next few months? Probably not, but again, it is... <laughs> People love talking about the silver gold-silver ratio. Oh, it's 120, it's so high. It's like, yeah, but it could be 200. I mean, <laughs> it's broken out of the highest it's ever been. It could be 500. Buying it because the ratio is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but technically, and just the, the trend on silver has been good for, for the last month or so, volatility is still relatively high. But it has come down. Um, yeah, and sort of good trend on it. But again, don't listen to anyone that's like saying you should bet the farm on silver. All these YouTubers like giving the impression that they're saying they're stacking silver like 100% of their net wealth in it. Well, they're nuts. It's totally stupid. And I hope they don't. Yeah, so in conclusion, we have um, what are the main options right now? So I think some allocation to gold is insurance. If it just goes to the moon, you're fine. Um, I 
I happen to have. Yeah, buying call options now, possible. Whether it's in gold or GDX. You could even buy options in GDXJ, by the way, but that's super volatile. And the volatility is still quite high. So, I don't know about you, but I hate being in an options trade where, it's not I hate it, it's just annoying. And you know you did the wrong thing. When you get the direction right, but the vol goes against you. And, yeah, you, you, you. And, 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 and so you're probably not losing money, but you're not making any. Not exactly the worst thing, but, but if I'm thinking about when to put larger sizes, and again, on an option, <laughs> you should probably never be putting more than one or two percent net worth on it. It's a freaking option, it can go to zero. If you're putting 20% <laughs> of something on an option, I think you're nuts. And if you're so sure about something, so sure, remember there's a whole bunch of people who are so sure the other way too. Yeah, are you really 100% likely to be right? Probably not. Um, I think there were exceptions when, like I talked about before, where we could see it coming, the weakening of the economy in general across the world, and this massive shock, which was trackable every day with numbers from governments. You know, and you could see it moving across the world. Like That was mispriced. And that happens now and again, maybe once every 10 years. <laughs> does not happen very often um, and then yeah as someone like Peter Schiff would say why not have gold miners they, what's the downside well you know what they could halve or go down more they just did a month ago like yeah, all these things have upside and downside um, and gold miners give you probably enough quote unquote leverage as they produce gold that you know you can also if you're willing to buy and hold something sure that could be interesting if you're gonna muck with <laughs> gold miner call options then don't try and be a hero on it each one of those can go to zero in a heartbeat okay i'm gonna leave it there thanks for listening and i'd love to hear feedback on yeah, are you guys thinking similar things different things like would you agree disagree with yeah it'd be fantastic